Liz Tahura, if it's Wednesday, we are connecting, uh, which is great. It is now December 2020 is mercifully almost behind us. It is. We are in a home stretch. The yeah. Final <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, we say it like 2020 is over, therefore all the wacky, wild uh, pandemic stuff is behind us. That is certainly not true, but at least we get to flip the calendar. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm excited uh, to connect because we are obviously sort of calendar year end. What are we going to be talking about today? Yeah, well, so um, your, your comments are timely because I was just thinking the same thing. Thank goodness it's December. We flipped the calendar last month of the year. Uh, and even though certainly not out of the woods yet, uh, it does feel like we're, we're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel, some really nice things happening. Um, you know, in the U.S., we've got the Vote of the Moors Act happening this week. Um, sales are up for cannabis, um, and we're we're feeling like we're we're looking good. So I thought maybe we'd celebrate this month, Jay. I, I like the sound of that. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Yeah. So we'll start with eat. We'll talk about edibles uh, this week and kind of take this theme throughout the rest of the year and, and try to try to think about uh, think about what's next for 2021 as well. I like that a lot, and and I it's no secret I talk about it a lot. I do like the edibles. You <laughs> so. and me both. <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh, this is gonna be a great morning. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, great. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Great. All right. So let's start our eat, drink, and be merry with a little bit of eat today. Talk about some edibles. I wanted to give you guys uh, just some insights going into the holiday season. Um, really do, and I apologize, insert terrible pun here, uh, but really wanted to do some, some quick bites uh, today and just share a few data points and some interesting things happening in the edibles market uh, and also do a little bit, as we tend to do, of U.S. and Canadian market comparisons because you know that's always fascinating to me. Uh, so starting off with, of course, Canada. Um, so in Canada, as you may remember, uh, those who, who've listened to these a few times, and Jay, you may remember, about 35% of adults in Canada are cannabis consumers. Uh, of those 35%, about 57 consume edibles, and about 30%, so almost a third, state that edibles are their preferred method of consumption. Uh, so pretty interesting to think about, you know, a third of, of cannabis consumers saying that that's, that's their preferred method. Uh, it is important to remember, of course, that cross-consumption is um, a very significant element of consumption for cannabis consumers. And even of those who state that they prefer edibles, uh, about 44% also uh, say that they have um, inhaled as a method of consumption over the past six months. Another 23% or about 23% say that they've utilized topicals as well. Um, so really important to think about the need states for consuming um, edibles as per as it pertains to um, how that may be similar or different to other methods of consumption. And also interesting to take a look at how that stacks up against the US. So within the US, um, and just as a quick note here, when we talk about the US versus Canada in comparison, we tend to talk about what we call level one states in the US. Um, those are the fully legal and uh, fully retail available markets. Uh, so the, the best comparison uh, markets to the Canadian market. 
Um, in those markets, somewhere between 35 and 45% of US adults 21 plus are cannabis consumers. Um, and we see a higher percentage of those that actually state that they consume edibles in the US, so 71% in the US. But interestingly enough, when we look at the preference, uh, pretty similar. So about a third of US adults state that edibles are their preferred method of consumption. Uh, similar to Canada, we do see a lot of cross-consumption happening um, amongst those, those consumers in the US. Um, and another really interesting thing uh, we look at the U.S. and also Canada as well. Um, you know, Jay, we've talked before about dispelling myths and some of those those myths um, mm -hmm. as consumers. One of them being that I think is maybe a little more prevalent in the U.S. than it is in Canada, um, but a, a kind of a long-standing myth nonetheless that when you think about edibles products, um, those should be products that are marketed to the female consumer. Um, well, in the U.S., uh, it's about 50-50, male versus female, who state that uh, edibles are their preferred method of consumption. And in Canada, it's actually even a little bit, uh, a little bit more skewed male. It's about 55-45 um, male-female U.S. Um, now, in both markets, it's worth noting that the prevalence of female consumers is a little higher than across other uh, forms of consumption across inhalables, uh, but still not seeing that sort of overwhelming female only uh, sort of myth that, that we see uh, coming out in some, some marketing uh, circles. So when we think about edibles um, and we think about how to, to market those, to, uh, those products to our consumers up in Canada, uh, we do wanna think about need states. And we talk a lot about need states at BDSA in general. And of course, Jay, you and I have talked a lot about these need states. Um, and when we think about the top three reasons that Canadian consumers state that they consume edibles, um, it's really a little bit of a spectrum across sort of the health and medical benefits and also those social recreational benefits. You see that coming across with a relaxed and be mellow, really being a, um, a social, social recreational and or health if you're thinking about um, de-stressing and uh, of course, sleeping better and, and relieving pain as well. Um, about 44% of edibles consumers state that they consume specifically to relax and be mellow. About 42%, very similar, say, uh, sleep better. 35% there with relief pain. Uh, now, how does that compare to the US? Uh, pretty similar, the same top three reasons, but we see a little bit of a different order there. So. Um, U.S. consumers slightly more likely to state that they're going to be consuming edibles to sleep better uh, than to relax and be mellow. Um, but either way, sort of similar, similar need states there uh, when you're thinking about edibles. And so when we think about the, the product attributes that work well within an, an edible, thinking about those that are tied to relaxation, to de-stressing, uh, to sleeping, um, really starts to, to illuminate some of those product attributes and perhaps those mood um, and effect-based attributes as well that can be um, really well resonating with your, your edibles consumer in particular. So always like to draw the line between the uh, consumer preferences and consumption behavior and sales behavior. Of course, the sales behavior coming from our retail sales tracking data. Um, and I thought I'd start by taking a little bit of a look at the US market um, and what's going on there. And, and we talk often about gummies, gummies, gummies in the US. And then you can clearly see that playing out. Um, it's unbelievable, isn't it? At an aggregate here. 
of all US markets that BDSA tracks. Um, it's a little bit different, Jay, than, than we sometimes look when we're isolating out a market. I think it's interesting to take a look there. You know, 67% of edible sales come from the candy category uh, and very, very dominated by the gummies within that candy category. But also I think interesting for the Canadian market to point out the prevalence and the, um, the emergence of some of these other product forms, even within the candy category, um, and certainly in others as well. And then of course, um, always important to pull out and pay attention to the beverage category. About 7% of edibles are coming from the beverage category in these US markets. When we look at growth, so of course in, in the US where we have several years, uh, years and years actually of growth to, to compare to, we're able to look at 2020 versus 2019 uh, so far this year. And you can see almost 25% growth for the edibles category. So really solid growth, um, very similar um, and in line with the other categories within the US. So seeing pretty strong uh, strong growth trend and expect to see that continue even in a very, very established market. So pretty interesting to see that there. Now, it is important to know that it's not only about gummies in the US. And I thought this was kind of a fun little call out. Um, a couple of non-gummy categories that are really doing well. Um, we'll start with Maryland in uh, where we see that taffy candy is actually 29% of candy sales uh, versus about 5% in the rest of the US. And that is driven primarily uh, by a company called Betty's Eddie's in Maryland, doing really, really well, really driving, uh, driving sales in that category. Uh, another interesting example to call out is actually in Colorado, uh, where we see Ripple driving the powdered beverage sales uh, to 32% of beverage sales in Colorado, whereas in the rest of the US it's typically around 11%. Um, so I think this is interesting for a few reasons. One, it's just always really great to be able to pay attention to what is doing well market by market, whether it's province by province uh, in Canada, or whether it's state by state in the US to get ideas about kind of consumer preferences and, and what's, um, what's available and what's trending. But I also think it's really interesting to look at the importance of a high performer in a market and how those high performers and those, those brands can really shape the market as it stands. Um, and then to watch that, that trend move out into other markets, again, whether it be other states or even cross-border and other, other provinces as well, um, as we continue to see this blending and merging um, and M&A activity going on and licensing activity going on, um, even cross-border at this point in time. So of course we couldn't get away without comparing um, and taking a look at what's going on within the Canadian market. Um, and right off the bat, you can see that the Canadian edible sales look pretty different uh, from the US sales in terms of percent category share. Now, uh, because 2.0 just launched this year, uh, we isolated out just September uh, for this particular view to take a look at what's going on uh, within the market in September. Um, of course, right off the bat, I'm sure you'll notice the, uh, the preponderance of the, uh, of the beverage category 
holds 24% of edible sales coming from beverages as in Canada as compared to about 7% in the US. So significant difference there. Um, and then of course, within the candy category, while it's not broken out, um, one of the real interesting things there is that's almost entirely made up of gummies uh, with some very, very small other categories uh, sprinkled in there. Um, so potentially some, some interesting opportunities for new product forms and formats as we look into 2021 and even 2022. Again, because we are uh, looking at the first year of 2.0 sales, does not make a lot of sense to try to compare um, any kind of year over year or even, um, even long-term trends here? Uh, but I pulled out just the end of Q2 versus the end of Q3 here. Look at June versus 20, versus September in 2022, or 2020, excuse me. And you can see about 23% growth there. Um, again, worth noting, this is pretty in line with the other product categories. Uh, so indicative that, that we're seeing sort of real steady growth across all the product categories here. One more call out, one more little nugget uh, that I think is kind of an interesting, um, an interesting insight here, especially as we think about the dosage limitations in the, within the Canadian marketplace um, and how hopefully this is a little bit of good news um, or good insight for, uh, for the edibles can, companies in the Canadian market. It's, it's really not all about the highest dosage and especially within the edibles products the edibles categories. Um, you can see that what we've seen happen within the US uh, with consumer preferences on edibles moving, growing about 26%, moving from about 39% of consumers saying that uh, their preferred dosage of edibles is 10 milligrams or lower up to this year, uh, almost half of consumers stating that their preferred edibles dosage is 10 milligrams or lower. And you can see how that breaks out by five to 10 um, and, and even lower than that. Um, so, you know, it's always worth noting that just like in, in beverage alcohol, you know, we don't all stock our liver, liquor cabinets with Everclear. Um, there is certainly a, a wide range of dosage needs and, uh, and preferences. Um, and even more interesting, so again, comparing that sort of consumption behavior and stated preferences versus the actual sales data, taking a look at California in particular. So a market that's um, A, a heritage market, uh, so long history, um, and B, kind of really well known for being and having a reputation for being, uh, you know, a cannabis connoisseur in a very intense cannabis market. Uh, seeing the preferences in terms of sales or purchase behavior um, within the THC milligrams or per, with pieces per pack. It's been a really interesting trend here. Um, and this coming from a market, I remember four years ago, uh, that one of the best selling, it was one of the top five edibles products overall was a 100 milligram cookie. Um, mm. so seeing that preference to five milligrams or less per piece. Now, again, it's important to note per piece, um, even in a market where there are more options and sort of heavier, higher dosage opportunities, um, really interesting to see that trend play out. Um, and again, I think it, it states um, some interesting implications for sort of future trends and future consumer preferences um, as we think about dosaging, uh, dosing and packaging, and then kind of what's that ideal mix uh, for consumers moving forwards. 
So that's all I got for you today, Joe. Uh, uh, Jay. <laughs> uh, that's a lot. You, like it. I don't know why I called you Joe. It's okay. I get my dad's name's Joel, so I get that sometimes. So I, I just answered anything. <laughs> um, Liz, there's something. Um, I come from politics, and we would look at polls and research and data. Um, and something really strikes me in what you said, and I think you mentioned it, is that um, I mean, also almost all the numbers. And, look similar in the range, except the the consumers in Canada, and probably because just early stage, and this is the question, is, you know, only 50% of the folks um, consume edibles, um, whereas in the US, it's 71%. That seems like a huge market opportunity gap to fill uh, from from this side of from this side of the border. Um, and to me, it's like, and I'm not trying to tee you up to get business, but like, you have to know what is happening. But like, it, these are, this is a, a, not a once a, uh, not a once an industry type of time, but like, there's only so many times that this industry is going to develop and fill that gap on the Canadian side of things. And the U.S. I, side you of know, things I is couldn't actually agree more. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Jana. And I think it's really interesting. We talk often about sort of the cross-border opportunities and what, what you can learn regardless of whether you're north or south of the border. And I think that there's, uh, there's a good addressable market opportunity within the Canadian market with bringing more consumers into the edibles fold, if you will. Um, and then equally, I think it's really interesting for the US market to pay attention to what's happening with beverages specifically in Canada. Um, and seeing that 24% of the edible sales come from beverages um, in, in Canada, I think is pretty interesting. And we'll dive, dive more into that in the coming weeks, of course, when we get to the drink part of our eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, but, but I do think either way, there's some really interesting nuggets for opportunity. Um, and, and to your point, really being able to, uh, to be on the forefront and on the spear's tip of that opportunity. I think those two examples, the Ripple beverages in our powder beverages in Colorado and the uh, Betty's Eddie's, the Taffy's in Maryland, really does show the opportunity for being one of those sort of leading brands early on um, and what you can really do with that market share and that opportunity. No, I love it. And I do like the name Betty's Eddie's. It's, it's pretty good, <laughs> pretty good name, but also, you know, it's hitting the market at the right time with the right product that strike people's fancy and, and then having the distribution and be able to keep it on store shelves. Like there's lots that goes into that, but the idea that there is room in this like super, this market that's in super flux and like just waiting to be taken over by by really new things is I think really exciting and that's why we like talking to you but also seeing sort of the future in some respects uh what's happening down there and in some respects um sharing what we're doing here certainly on the beverage side with what's happening in the U.S. so Liz as always thank you very much for your time your expertise your insight because I feel like we're smarter and are seeing we'll use a Canadian term we'll see where the puck is going I like it rescue right <laughs> Great. Uh, Liz Tahara, BDSA, thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Joe.